the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We will uh, have a lot today. We will talk in a few moments uh, with John Schlafly, catch up on the Schlafly column, and uh, a lot more, a lot more. But let me say this. uh, Don't forget, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, please go there. And when you get there, you can do two things that will be helpful to you. One is... You can sign up for the daily email, the Wink, Daily Wink, What You Need to Know, W-Y-N-K, What You Need to Know. You can sign up there for that, and it goes in your inbox at 8 a.m. each day, East Coast time, uh, Monday through Friday. Sign up there. The second thing is find your favorite interview, favorite segment, favorite whatever we've been doing here, and go ahead and uh, and find that, and then share it on social media. That would help a lot. We'd love for you to do that. So please feel free to go over to ProAmericaReport.com and check in there. Okay, today, as you know, what we do at the beginning of the program is tell you what you, what you need to know. And what you need to know today is the best tweet on the subject of Facebook changing its name came to you live all the way from Russia. All the way from Russia, there is a journalist, the woman who heads up the Russian um, radio broadcast, Rus- Russian um, broadcasting company, kind of like our our um, American, um, uh, we have our American media empire, the one that has all the, the PBS and all these different things. I think now it's called the, uh, oh, I, um, Michael Pack had the position, they changed the name. But anyway, it's um, her, her name is Margarita Simonyan, I think that's pronouncing it right, and she's got a great Twitter feed, it's very active, and she's the head of the... the um, Russian television and and I think radio network and so I was saw and she tweeted Facebook well let me tell it to you directly Facebook she was she was talking about Facebook changing their name changing their name to Meta so Facebook announced at their big Facebook Connect gathering uh, they had Mark Zuckerberg come out and Zuckerberg came out and he said we're going to change the name of our company to Meta because we're going to become a metaverse and Facebook is just an app. And so we're, it's going to be part of our family of apps, Instagram and Facebook. But we're going to be a, a metaverse company, which means build a whole universe within which you can live that's fake. And the tweet from Margarita Simonian, who is, uh, let's see what her title is technically. I'll get that for you um, so you can, there it is. It's uh, editor-in-chief of Russia Today. The uh, That's the Russian media uh, network. And she tweeted this, Facebook will change its name to Meta. It would be better to go directly to meth. More honest. I think that's fantastic. I mean, you know, Facebook, the business model is the addiction of the users to the business, to, 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 the, to, the, um, to the hysteria, uh, to the uh, dopamine, to the data, all of it. It's just uh, the people that are on Facebook, all the social media, big tech Using social media, you can whether you're talking about Google, whether you're talking and and uh, YouTube, whether you're talking about Facebook, Twitter, they're all utilizing big big tech, the two uh, well twin faces of addiction to it, the dopamine hit, the likes, the shares, and all that, and the data. So they get you addicted and use your data, 
And it is, it's true. It's a kind of, it's a, it is not just kind of, it's a drug. It's a, it's a, let's say, say it differently. It's a, what Facebook does changes your brain. And so they can call it meta. They can do a different uh, logo. They're doing a different logo. Not the, not the Facebook thumbs up, but this kind of weird, uh, almost infinity symbol uh, that's meta it's going to be. And they're going to try to change it. But the, what they're doing is the same. What they're trying to do is get people addicted to their service, gather their data. And so in order to do that, it's agitate so they'll return. Agitate so they'll return. And every time they return, gather data. And every time they return, gather data, use the data, sell them stuff, influence them. And if you've been watching the Facebook um, coverage in the last five days, you've seen everybody from the Wall Street Journal to the New York Times, the Washington Post, members of Congress, everybody agitating about Facebook. But mostly what you see is more and more demands that Facebook police speech in favor of whom? Not in favor of we the people. No, no. In favor of the powerful who will tell Facebook what the right positions are, what the right attitude is. And if it's true that Facebook can suppress the Hunter Biden laptop, if it's true that Facebook can knock the sitting president of the United States, Donald Trump, off its platform, if it's true that its algorithms can you know, affect what you see, therefore what you know and what you do, What do you think is going to happen if they're building a metaverse? What's the point of this? And you don't have to look far to see that Zuckerberg is not without ambition. Zuckerberg's $419 million given to nonprofits across the country, and in particular in six areas that turned out to be the swing parts of swing states, were done to influence the elections in favor of systems that make it more likely his guy get elected. We don't have proof yet, I don't know if we ever will, that there was votes that were manipulated, that there were votes that were voted one way or the other. We have some indications of that, lots of indications actually. But we have definitive proof that Zuckerberg and others, and why would it stop at Zuckerberg just in spending his hundreds of millions? Why would he stop there? If he believed, which he says he does, that the systems that are necessary for the right people to be able to vote and understand the truth, the truth that he knows, must be fostered through these nonprofits he funded and through Facebook, why would he stop in any way short of influencing what you know and therefore what you do, what you know and what you believe? So they influence what you see and it becomes what you know, it becomes what you believe and what you do. That's the power we're dealing with right now. They're not shy about it. Nobody's shy about it. And uh, and I, the the more the conversation is about how the, the, right now the conversation about how Facebook needs to be better at influencing you know correctly. That's the powerful telling them figure out how you can influence the way we want. And if you can't figure that out, then you're going to have a big problem. We're going to watch. What they're not talking about is how to go about cutting back these folks in a sufficient way. You know, breaking them up limiting their scope, finding some way to make it so that they're not targeting we the people. It's really a threat. It is a threat to the republic, as clear as can be. And it's captured in that tweet. It's great. I'll put it up on social media. And that's what you need to know. Facebook is changing their name. They're not changing their business model. Facebook is changing their name. They're not changing their stripes, as they say. Facebook is changing their name to distract maybe from what they do 
or more likely to, by, to tell you what they're doing, being pretty clear about it, going straight ahead and showing you what they're doing. They're not shy about it, and, and you ought to be paying attention to it. That's what I tell you right now. That's what you need to know. All right, when we come back, we will talk. we got a couple of great guests. We're going to talk with John Schlafly today. We also, I believe, will talk with uh, Jim Robbins. I'm not sure if we'll get Jim today, USA Today columnist. We'll see if we talk to him today. We might get him tomorrow, but hopefully catch up. He's got some insight into what's happening in the Congress. And also, uh, either today or tomorrow, Ted Malik will be back. So we'll talk with Ted Malik too, and we will see. We'll take a break right now, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with John Schlafly. John Schlafly writes a weekly column. It posts over at townhall.com, our sister site. He writes it with his brother, Andy Schlafly, continuing the decades-long tradition of the late Phyllis Schlafly writing a weekly column. This week's column, Gender-Confused Virginia Elections. Uh, ge- excuse me, Gender-Confused Virginia Election. Upcoming next Tuesday is an election for governor as well as the House of Delegates and, uh, and the State Senate. And so, uh, John Schlafly, first of all, uh, this it's an extraordinary time. Um, the State Department issued its first passport um, with no uh, male or female, just X for gender. Uh, my question to you, just as a starting matter, uh, I, I did an interview on this subject and, and we went around, we came around to this point. Aren't passports supposed to be identification uh, documents? primarily for security, like that you are known who's coming in and who's coming out? How can this be? I mean, is this is this just out of hand, isn't it? Well, it should not be done. Uh, uh, yes, uh, I don't think there's I don't think there's any law that either requires or even permits it. So but the Biden administration just announced a long and elaborate uh, uh, manifesto for gender equity. And um which uh, includes every uh, radical part of it that you can imagine, and they're they're just the people behind the people you know in the bowels of the White House are obsessed with that, and um, you know you're right. I mean, the passport is for identification, not just for ourselves, but for other countries. Yeah, and uh, it's a I don't strange. Know what other it's a, countries it's, a, it's again. With that now, yeah. uh, you know, states issue driver's licenses, and there's been a, you know, it's been going on for a decade or more, where uh, many states will change the gender shown on your driver's license if you present sufficient proof, and this it's very that varies by state, but this is the first time the U.S. government has done that, and I don't think there's any legitimate authority for doing it. Well, but again, I mean, let me say a different way, and I don't mean to get into this conversation too deep because I want to get back to your your uh, column. But uh, every state had to. I remember being a part of this. Had to comply with the real ID requirements after nine eleven, which meant that your uh, that your uh, driver's license had to have a certain amount of data going with it, so that it was actually proof it was you. So you couldn't get on a plane, for example, with a fake ID from Missouri just because they didn't have as tight a standards as the as the ID requirements in a different state. So again, uh, it, it, the the use of uh, of what should be a security document, um, I guess, though, having said all that, 
If you wore your hair short in the picture on your driver's license and showed up with your hair long, they have to figure that out on site. So maybe we're maybe this is much ado about nothing. But let's turn to uh, uh, Virginia, where uh, you're writing about the implosion of Democrats. Now, Barack Obama emerged from his 17 million dollar Martha's Vineyard home um, to de- declare. Quote, these phony trumped up culture wars, this fake outrage that right wing media peddles. Well, John, as you know, I'm in northern Virginia. I don't see uh, the right wing media peddling these moms and dads just hacked off in Loudoun County and other places. It's it's the other way around. These parents are mad and the right wing media as well as the left wing media as every media is coming in to say, what is this about? Now, half of them are saying these people are bigots and and racists and uh, and worse. But I, I think the polling, at least, you know, if you can believe polls, seems to show that more sort of normal people, non-ideological people are saying this is some crazy stuff. I, I guess, um, are we putting too much on the election in Virginia next week? Uh, if it's a blue state and, and McAuliffe wins, are they going to spike the football and say all this gender stuff is OK? Well, I think that the election will be close and the closest of the election uh, is attributable to what's been going on at school board meetings. And, uh, you know, when uh, Barack Obama basically says this is trumped up, uh, you know, trumped up, you know, he's basically, you know, insulting the caring parents who have raised questions at school board meetings. I don't think they're going to like that. Uh, I mean, they have legitimate concerns, and those concerns need to be heard. And, you know, and, and the... Democratic candidate Terry McAuliffe is doing the same thing, and he's now running uh, uh, ads attacking the people who raised questions about school board meetings. And we have the Attorney General who uh, appeared before Congress, and he's defending, calling out the FBI on news parents. You know, so it's one thing after another, and uh, I think we have uh, you know, many many voters in Virginia who are not going to like that, and they have the opportunity to go to the polls and cast a secret ballot. And so I think they're going to vote against what's been going on. Now it's going to be close. Would, and and there's, yeah. there are shenanigans. In fact, I've all just saw, uh, Ed, maybe you saw it, where there's a lawsuit that in, in uh, Fairfax County, which yep. is very liberal, that they found that the the... The Democrats in Fairfax County have been allowing absentee ballots without uh, proper ID from the people who apply for them. And there's a lawsuit right. to put a stop to that. But uh, So I'm sure there's going to be incidences like that. Uh, you just I would talk, we're talking about... on the people who are, uh, will do anything to win an election because that is their power base. We're talking with John Schlafly. His column, again, the Schlafly Report, is over at townhall.com. Also archived each week at phyllisschlafly.com. One more comment on your your column, John, and then I want to ask you about Trump's recent statement on on elections and and his letter to the editor uh, in the Wall Street Journal. But uh, Kamala Harris uh, went out into 300 black churches by video um, and told them how important it was to vote for McAuliffe. Even the Democrat governor, former governor of of, uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia, Doug Wilder, African-American, not a conservative. Even he 
thought this was too far and, and you know, denounced it and said this is a crazy thing to be doing. Um, she has been non-existent. Everybody else has campaigned in Virginia. You know, Biden was here. Obama was here. Jill Biden, Stacey Abrams. Abrams, she hasn't been here at Kamala Harris. But, John, um, this stunt, is it desperation or is it uh, just, you know, they, they know they get away with it. There's nobody that's going to do anything to them and they're just going to keep going. Well, it is desperate, and it, but des- sometimes desperate things work. And uh, uh, you know, you know, the the hue and cry about racism, uh, that which is what Kamala is trying to do, and Terry McCullough's ad, which says that all the, you know, the concerned parents who come to school board meetings, all they're trying to do, according to Terry McCullough, is to prevent kids from reading literature by black authors like Toni Morrison. It was a horrible thing to say. It's a complete lie. Uh, But that's what they're putting out in an effort to inflame racial conflict. And, um, you know, I, I believe that that kind of thing is not working the way it once did. But uh, we'll see next Tuesday. Um, All right, John, let me, let me finish by asking you about President Trump, I'm going to comment this on my last segment. I'm going to talk about this. Uh, President Trump had two documents out this week, a letter to the editor uh, where he basically chastised the Wall Street Journal for saying uh, Pennsylvania was over and it was all decided. He went through a, a list of uh, of what we don't know in Pennsylvania concerns. But he also put out a statement earlier on Thursday uh, in which he said, I never told people not to vote. I said people, Republicans aren't going to vote because they, if they think the system is uh, is a mess. I, I agree with him on that. I, I never thought he was threatening. I thought it was more that he was saying uh, lots of people just don't believe the system works. They're not going to be excited about being out there. What's your feeling on this um, aspect of Trump post-presidency? Can he lead from these media platforms, letters to the editor and statements that get sort of double handover posted by his aides? Well, the the letter to the editor of the Wall Street Journal, of course, that was designed for a particular audience, uh, you know, a well-educated audience. And Trump laid out in explicit detail exactly what the issues were with the election in Pennsylvania. That was a great thing that he did. And I think everyone should read that. Uh, Now, the other question about, you know, I think there is a serious question that... um, Many Trump supporters are perhaps demoralized, and if Trump is not on the ballot, uh, they may not turn out. And that is a reality that we all have to face. And uh, you know what we've seen is that you know, there's a limited there's a limited to what Donald Trump himself can do to fix that problem, because right. He's simply recognizing the reality, and and the the political world needs to recognize that. That uh, a lot of the people who voted for Trump feel that they did not get what they voted for in 2016. And the system is rigged. Not just the election system, but the entire government is rigged. If they can elect a president and then, you know, and then the entire permanent government, the, you know, uh, in effect, undermines him to such an extent that he's not able to deliver on the promises that he made. So, to take just one example, let's take the wall. You know, Trump promised the wall. Now, he wasn't, he didn't get started on the wall until the third, basically the third year. Uh, I finally got started, and 
So, okay, so his last two years as president, he got about 600 miles, I think, built. And then there's another 400 miles of fencing that's been purchased, and it's just stacked up along the border, not doing anything. And it's not keeping people right. out what it's supposed to do. And uh, right. so the nation is looking at this, and uh, there's no clear remedy for that right. uh, in, the, in the short term. Yeah. So people, yep. now, so the question, you know, we've got a problem in our system that needs to be, it needs to be addressed in a fundamental way. Yeah. Well, I do think that that growing concern about whether the system is is rigged and can be even changed is what I, I, I agree with you. And I think that's what uh, President Trump was getting after. All right, John Schlafly, we got to run. Thank you, as always, for uh, coming on the Schlafly Report, available again at townhall.com, also archived over at phyllisschlafly.com. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's time to catch up. I was excited to see this morning column came into my inbox and I emailed Jim Robbins and I said, hey, can you jump on and talk about this? Because I think it's important. A lot of things being covered. Uh, Jim Robbins, of course, is a columnist over at USA Today. He has uh, he has played a, a senior level uh, role in the Department of Defense uh, to the Secretary of Defense back uh, and I think the Bush administration, writer all over on issues. But this issue that came up was the title of the column in the USA Today is the um, proposed, excuse me, progressives power grab, why the Democrats proposed billionaires tax is unconstitutional. Welcome, Dr. Jim Robbins. How are you, sir? Hey, thanks, Ed. Doing great. So first of all, um, just tell me the the basic facts. It's unconstitutional. But why are they floating it? Is this the desperation around uh, Cinema Mansion trying to, to hold things together? Is that I mean, what's the story here? Well, the story is that the president is saying that this massive, wasteful bill is going to cost nothing, uh, which is really Washington speak for saying they're going to raise as many taxes as they're spending. So they're looking all over the place to try to find some kind of means to raise the trillions of dollars that they would need to pay for this, you know, big government program. And the idea that they come up with a a targeted billionaire's tax, this is something that the senator from Oregon, Ron Wyden, has pushed for years. Is it really? I mean, is it really possible? He's just going to tax tax people with $1 billion in assets uh, or, I guess, $100 million in income? And um, don't those guys and gals know how to move their money around so they don't actually get taxed? Oh, yeah, there are many problems with this. I mean, you know, accountants would definitely get full employment out of this. And and as you observe, you know, they say it's a it's a billion unless you make 100 million. You know, when Elizabeth Warren trotted this idea out back in 2020, it was 50 million was the line where you suddenly become a billionaire. But that underscores a deeper problem with if you had a law like this and they, you know, they, they sell it as a billionaire's tax. But then, you know, then it's a millionaire's tax. And then after that, it's an everybody tax. So you really can't trust Washington to keep it like a targeted tax like this on target eventually it would go to everybody does it uh does it is it is it really just optics though are they really trying to uh 
I mean, are, are they trying to, again, make a point uh, to to their to the liberal base or where they really want to do this? Well, they really want to do it. But the problem is, as I pointed out in the article, it's unconstitutional. If you go to Article one, Section nine, there is a specific prohibition on direct taxes and like this, this is a wealth tax that goes directly from the federal government to you. And this was adjudicated in the 19th century. The Supreme Court struck down uh, an early income tax, which is why we got the income tax amendment to get around the Article 1, Section 9 prohibition. But there's nothing in the income tax amendment that says you can tax people's wealth, you know, their, whether it's their investments or like the uh, Democrats like to say unrealized gains, which basically means you made money in the stock market and they want to tax it now instead of when you sell it. So there's there's really no way to look at this law and say that it's uh, that it's legal under the Constitution. And I haven't even heard the Democrats try to explain how it is legal. All they want to say is, you know, those nasty billionaires have to pay their fair share and stuff like that. So, um, so again, we're talking with uh, Dr. Jim Robbins, who's a columnist over at the USA Today, writes uh, all over the place, actually, a number of places. But USA Today is a columnist. And uh, so where are we on that uh, on that on that uh, in, in that whole thing? I mean, I think, again, at a certain point, this was done to try to, as you say, look like they're paying for the thing. It was a bit of a stunt. Uh, what do you think? Are they going to get something passed? Well, you know, since they have trimmed back their ambitions uh, significantly, they don't need as many crazy tax schemes, although they're certainly going to have some, uh, whether or not this is one of them. It looks like as of today, uh, Senator Manchin has been expressing doubts about this. It's probably dead on arrival. I mean, we certainly hope that it is because this would be an unprecedented and very bad tax uh, if it ever passed. But it won't stop them from proposing it again. And we also have to see what's in the details of this bill that Nancy Pelosi was introducing today. What exactly are they going to tax? If not billionaires, they have to tax somebody. Do you think uh, you've watched or again, we're talking with Dr. Jim Robbins, a USA Today columnist. Um, Jim, you've watched a lot of these dances. And if you had to you know, bet five bucks, you know, take five bucks and bet it today, will they pass any of this stuff in the next couple of weeks? If I were betting five bucks, I would say that they will pass the hard infrastructure bill, you know, the roads and bridges one, uh-huh. and probably pass that very soon, um, maybe over the weekend. And that the the bigger bill, the, the crazy bill full of all this progressive wish list, I would bet will not pass. You think it will go down in flames completely? Yes, I think it will. And I, I certainly hope it will. It's possible that it could pass, obviously. But I think once people actually see what's in it, which, you know, was only released today, 2,400 pages that that Democrats are supposed to read over the weekend, um, I think people are going to say, wait a minute, this is not what we signed up for. Yeah. And uh, and at that point. Is it as I, I, is it as big a deal? We're going to talk with Dr. Jim Robbins. Uh, Jim Robbins is a columnist over USA Today, a uh, close observer of politics, um, domestic and national security. Um, do, if it if it doesn't pass this big, big, uh, you know, Biden priority, you know, a lot is being made about, and I think it's been meant to try to pressure them to pass it and try to help the Democrats. That, oh, if this doesn't happen, it could be real the real death knell of the Biden administration. It does become sort of the end of anything big passing the Congress, right? You just the rhythm of these things. There will be not much else done until tw- after 2022, right? 
Oh, right. And I mean, by then, you know, by next year, we have the midterms coming. And so that's going to uh, have a very important impact on everybody's calculation of how they want to vote on things. And I think it was very foolish of Democrats to try to pressure their caucus by saying, you know, do it for Joe. If this doesn't pass, it's the end for him and stuff like this. I mean, he's only been in office less than a year. And already they're going to say, oh, you know, it's over. Well, Okay, so if it doesn't pass, then what? Are we to conclude that it's over? I mean, they really undercut Biden, but actually, I think that line started at the White House, so it was their mistake. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right about that. All right, uh, Jim, one more, one last broad observation. Uh, Jim Robbins's column, which I, I'll put up on social media too, link to, is uh, runs it's called "Progressives Power Grab: Why the Democrats Propose Billionaires' Tax Is Unconstitutional." Broad question, Jim, on. Uh, presidential politics at this point. Um, you mentioned, you know, Joe Biden's only been in office for, you know, less than a year. And yet it feels like he's almost worn out his ability or and I don't know if he's worn out his welcome, but he's worn out his f- effectiveness. Uh, have you ever seen anything like this? It's really incredible. His disapproval rating on the 538 chart is higher than every president at this point in their administration, except for Donald Trump as you know, was saddled with the whole Russian collusion uh, falsehood. Uh, We have the defeat in Afghanistan, inflation running rampant, this whole supply chain thing, the crisis at the border, stalemate on Capitol Hill. I mean, just the incompetence that's on display is stunning. And, you know, you think that this was a guy who campaigned from his basement. He was supposed to be a moderate and suddenly he's a progressive. I mean, the American people have every right to show a bit of uh, buyer's remorse over this, but his decline has been stunning. It uh, it does make you wonder. I mean, if every if all else is equal, meaning if there is a free and fair election, if they can't steal it at every corner, um, you got to think Virginia gives you some interesting data. Maybe the governor's race is um, still goes to a Democrat because Virginia's, you know, structurally Democrat. I'm not sure that's true. I think Youngkin, the debt Republican, looks pretty strong. But you'll see like the House of Delegates uh, in Virginia and some local races. But certainly 2022, everything being, you know, normal. And nothing is normal in 2021. But if anything's normal, it looks like it's it's going to be a massive swing towards Republicans. Yeah, I think so. It's going to kind of be like 2010 in that regard. I mean, structurally, the out of office party gains in the House and Senate on off year elections. I mean, that's just a statistical truth. But then when you look at the massive swings in 2010, when Democrats went from having super majorities in both houses to having nothing. Uh, now they barely have anything. They're tied in the Senate. They have a few vote margin in the House. And if that shifts radically towards the Republicans, well, Joe Biden's just going to be lamed up. Yeah, it certainly looks like it. All right, Jim Robbins, thank you, as always, uh, for your column, as well as for your commentary. We'll be back in touch again. We appreciate it very much. Uh, again, his column over at USA Today is progressives power grab why the Democrats propose billionaires taxes unconstitutional. And Jim's prediction, actually, that that whole big boondoggle bill, even pared down, will never pass. We'll see if that happens. All right, everybody, we will take a break. We'll be right back. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com to listen to this segment and other ones we post as standalone segments. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism, and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. 
When someone says that America should abandon a system that we've held to for centuries, I don't think it's asking too much to demand that they bring a little evidence to the table. This is especially true for the supposedly democratic socialists who call for capitalism to be replaced with a more equitable socialist alternative. Let's forget for a moment about all the anecdotal evidence that says socialism would never work. Let's set aside the strong moral and religious case for why socialism is incompatible with American values. Let's get down to the cold, hard facts about socialism in the world today. Socialists should be able to point to at least one example in world history where their namesake economic system has worked successfully. After all, it's been tried plenty of times. Venezuela is a socialist nation, but that's not working out so well at the moment. The United States even tried socialism when the Jamestown colony was first founded in 1607. The idea was quickly scuttled after it was shown to be a complete disaster. Socialists like to point to what they call the Nordic model, which is the economic characterization of such nations as Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, and Iceland. They claim that because these Nordic countries are prosperous, socialism can work anywhere. The only problem with this evidence is that the Nordic countries are not socialist countries. They don't even claim to be socialist countries. This was a complete lie fabricated by American socialists to give evidence to their baseless ideas. The Prime Minister of Denmark put these arguments to rest in 2015 when he said, I know that some people in the U.S. associate the Nordic model with some sort of socialism. Therefore, I would like to make one thing clear. Denmark is far from a socialist planned economy. Denmark is a market economy. In reality, American socialists have no real evidence to offer in favor of their ideas. Maybe some academics in ivory towers have written papers in their peer-reviewed echo chambers, but socialism has never worked in real life. Give me capitalism with its flaws over Venezuelan socialism any day. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The false promise of socialism is an illusion. It devalues hard work and creativity. It's the opposite of the American dream. As proven around the world, socialism breaks the human spirit. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're standing against the rise of socialism. For more, go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's talk about Donald Trump. Let's talk about Donald Trump. Let's talk about two data points, okay? This is important as we're uh, finishing this program today. There are two data points. Um, number one, uh, Donald Trump sent a letter, a letter to the editor. Has, has, has anybody ever heard? Can you remember if there were presidents, former presidents of the United States, sending letters to the editor? So he sends a letter to the editor of the Wall Street Journal and the Wall Street Journal, um, uh, by the way, the, the press side of the Wall Street Journal is losing their mind. They're saying that the Wall Street Journal shouldn't have written it, um, shouldn't have, uh, excuse me, shouldn't have published it. Um, but the letter to the editor was about their coverage on their on their editorial page uh, of um, what he had said um, called the election. So the edit there was an editorial written by the Wall Street Journal October twenty fifth called the election for Pennsylvania's High Court. And Trump says to, in his letter, you state the fact that a court wrongly said mail-in ballots could be counted after Election Day. This didn't matter, you add, because Mr. Biden won the state by 80,000 plus. Well, actually, Trump writes, the election was rigged, which you unfortunately still haven't figured out. Here's a few examples. And he makes a list of examples. And he goes on to say 
the fact is, at the very end of this, he says, there have been lots of claims and they never got to the courts because they didn't have standing and other things. Now, they published this in the Wall Street Journal as a letter to the editor, right? I guess they can fact check it. But by definition, if you're the Wall Street Journal, you're looking for your readers to engage with you. In the old fashioned days, you actually ran it as a letter to the editor, you know, in the printed paper. Now you probably do put it in the printed paper, but more importantly, you put it on the website and all. And so putting aside for a second that some of the news side of the Wall Street Journal objected, what Trump was doing was saying, wait a second, you keep saying that Pennsylvania was decided and, and Biden won and you and, and you say it's you say it's proven. And his point is, well, there's a lot of allegations that have never been seen the light of day. They've never actually been in court for lots of reasons, by the way. Some of them don't have standing. I did a, a TV interview uh, yesterday. I don't know, Wednesday or Thursday. And when I was asked about this, I said, look, um, the, the fact is that there were a whole bunch of things that went to the courts that never got looked at because the courts said they don't have jurisdiction. And first and foremost, for first and foremost, in my mind, would be to give this example. We have a Constitution. We have a set of deadlines within the Constitution. When they run their course, whether you like the result or not, See, for example, uh, at the founding in those first three or four races, there were races where I think it was Aaron Burr became uh, vice president to Thomas Jefferson. They were of the same party, but at that time they didn't run together. And so there was a dispute. And, And there was when the Electoral College voted, when it was certified, it's over. And you can't go back in time. That's one of the reasons why I said to people at a certain point. When the Electoral College has voted, the votes have been sent in. There has been no ability to change them. You know, the the state legislatures didn't effectively call them back. Then you get to a point where we have a Constitution that even if the president was elected unfairly, even if there was cheating, which hasn't been proven yet, you have to have a system. You have to have a system, otherwise your country falls apart. But that's different than saying... There was no fraud ever. I don't think we know, nor will we ever know. And that was Trump's point. And that was Trump's point. And that's, I think Trump made it well, and I think it's important. But he also, around the same time, so that was on the 27th, he ran that, um, he ran that uh, piece, uh, uh, that, uh, um, edit, excuse me, uh, letter to the editor. But he also was, you know, he does this sort of uh, vague Twitter thing. It's not exactly Twitter, but he releases statements um, uh, on his website and through his uh, spokeswoman, Liz Harrington. And he did that earlier on Thursday, the 28th. He put out a statement. He said, the statement I made a few weeks ago saying Republicans will not vote if election fraud of 2020 is not fixed was in no way meant to imply I would tell them not to vote, but rather that they may not have the incentive to vote if the election process is not fully remedied and quickly. It was the crime of the century. We're working on solving the problem every day. It will be done. People do not want to spend their time and money to have a scam like that happen again. Regardless of anything or anyone, we must get out the vote Republican and sane vote. Now, that's my point from two weeks ago when he made the first statement describing that some Republicans would not vote. I've told you before, there's lots of people that texted me, that called me, that wrote me and said, hey, I waited in line. I did all this. I voted. I'm not going to do that again. And as I've said over and over, yes, it's true that most conservatives, Republicans will vote against the insanity of the left. But you only have to lose a little bit of what I call the MAGA differential. The people that have come to Trump because he's a fighter for them, they believe in him, they didn't like the old Republican Party, whatever it was, just call that the MAGA differential. And if the MAGA differential sits it out, just in a few percentage points, 
you lose. Let me give you an example. The reason Obama was in Richmond, Virginia, over the last weekend was to try to boost the African-American turnout. Why? There's, they, they, everyone says, don't they say over and over that African-Americans vote for the Democratic Party? They, they like the party of Biden. They like the party of Kamala Harris. They like the party of Bernie Sanders. And they like the party of Terry McAuliffe running for governor. No, the reason why Obama was in Richmond was because if the African-American community votes 75 percent for Terry McAuliffe, he loses. They have to vote 85 percent. In other words, you have to get the turnout and you have to get the volume. You get the numbers out. That's what you're seeing. That's why Obama was there. That's why Biden was there. That's why Stacey Abrams came from Georgia. She lost a race for governor. She lost in Georgia and she's famous and campaigns in Virginia. It's funny to see. But here's the reality. The MAGA differential is what Trump is talking about. And when he says in that statement, we're working on it every day to fix it. As I said in the interview again earlier today or yesterday on TV, the cat doesn't matter why. One year after the 2016 election, due to Hillary's lies, the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, fully 75 percent of Democrats believe the election was rigged. One year, less just about one year after the election, this 2020 election, about 78 percent of Democrat Republicans think the election of 2020 was rigged. We have a problem that half of the country, no matter what, will believe that the system was rigged. We have to fix that. We, it doesn't matter which party you're in. We have to have a system that is an election system that is fully auditable, that is clear and transparent, and that it worked, and that you can really check it not in real time. Not, not, not the Maricopa County has a, an audit where they count the votes again, and then they say it was okay, and then you have uh, cyber ninjas come in and spend six months doing something else, and nobody what it's news what it means. No, you ought to be able to tell. Within hours of the election, your vote was counted. You can check on your own. You can check on your grandmas. You can check on things and you can fully audit it. Look, we can put a man on the moon in the 60s, right? We can figure out how to you know, do things in an incredibly capable way. This goes to the heart of the republic. And you should care about it on both parties. And that's what you got to understand about this. And so that's what Trump is up to, in my opinion. All right, everybody, we got to run. Thank you, as always, to our producer, Noah Dingley, to Joanna for booking our guests and you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Talk to you tomorrow. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.